Hello and welcome everybody to the Wildstorm Addiction podcast. This is episode number five for the weeks of June 2nd and June 9th. I'm Ben Murphy. And I'm Joe David Solis. And tonight we have quite a bit of news to go over and we have three, hopefully, really cool reviews. But first, Joe has something to say. Yeah, by the time you guys listen to this podcast, you will notice a lot of changes have gone on. The comicaddiction.com, which we were birthed from, I guess you could say, has split. And uh, basically the site's going to dissolve. And uh, everybody has basically gone and done their own thing. It's kind of like an image comic split. It's what we've been joking that it's like. <laughs> <laughs> so what we have is um, Paul Stephen Brown and Anthony Ellis uh, have gone and started their own site called The Cultural Wormhole. And you can find that at culturalwormhole.com and it's also going to be the new home of the X Addiction podcast uh, Mike Smith and Chris Parton will continue to be covering image comics at the imageaddiction.net and that's going to be the new home of the Image Addiction podcast and everything else that's image comics related um, we personally are going to continue at the uh, wildstormaddiction.com so all of our future podcasts will be downloadable there and um, we don't plan to break ties with Image Addiction because uh, they do still want us to help them with their retro reviews whenever they do uh, old Wildstorm titles. So just stay tuned to future episodes for more on that. Um, I think the only podcast that uh, suffered was the DC Core Addiction. I think is the only one that's, that's being axed. I think the Avengers Addiction podcast is going to go with Paul Stephen Brown over to Cultural Wormhole, if I'm not mistaken. So lots of news, but don't worry. We're not going to let this keep us down we're going to keep on trucking so <laughs> yeah and we're not rebooting so this is episode number five the next one will be number six no, <laughs> no big <reboots>. deal <laughs> that's right no reboots <laughs> <laughs> um i just wanted to go over a quick email that we received um to our email account at the wildstormaddiction at gmail.com and a guy named jason page gave us a really cool email and he says, uh, hi guys, my name is Jason Page. I've been downloading and enjoying your show and I love the interview with Rebecca Isaacs, as did we. Um, he's been, and I'll quote him, I've been enjoying the hell out of Deviate myself. It was such a surprise to me. I bought it because I'm a Brian Wood fan, but I will continue to read it because of the truly fascinating story and some spectacular art. Totally agree with him. We we both love this series. The art is awesome, and Rebecca Isaacs is awesome. So, really cool. He also goes on to say that he hasn't had much history with Wildstorm, but he's really enjoying the show because of the diversity of what we review. And Wildstorm is a pretty diverse publisher, especially with their creator-owned properties um, and their licensed stuff as well. He also goes on to say that He's been reading a lot of positive buzz about A God Somewhere, and he just wants to know whether we will be reviewing it on the podcast at some point. To answer that question, we most definitely are. Uh, Joe and I had discussed this about getting it because, you know, it's another trade to buy um, <laughs> in our dismal uh, monetary... <laughs> I call it our ramen noodle phone. Yeah, yeah. Our, our blessings, let's just say. Um, but, but we did decide to both pick it up. And to be honest, we're not going to review it tonight. 
but we both read it last night and enjoyed the heck out of it, I'll just say real quick, um, as a mini review. But we will be doing a full review on the podcast, and Joe has just published on our new site his written review, so if you want to check that out now, it's at wildstormaddiction.com, so check it out and leave a comment, please. Yes, yes. And also just wanted to take some time, um, you know, we are five episodes in, six I guess if you count, episode zero, and there's been a lot of people out there supporting us, and we, you know, we have given you thanks, but uh, there's just, I want to take, I want to take a little while to just uh, focus in on some people, you know, we did have that positive email, but a lot of the people at different boards, like for example, I want to give a shout out to uh, some of the people at the official Wildstore message boards. Just want to thank you for the kind words. Uh, Camera 23, of course, good old Chris Stryker, Nightcross, who is actually Paul Patain from The Comic Addiction, Echo Prime, Vintage Crime, Titanothrope, Fam2, and newcomer Carafan29, who uh, left us a comment that said, Love the podcast, keep the episodes coming. I'm a trade reader, and the only Wildstorm books I'm reading is Astro City. I've never read any other Wildstorm universe proper titles but I'm starting to become more interested in the titles and the characters thanks to your podcast. And see, that, I mean, that, that, you know, that makes us feel really good because obviously we're doing this because we love comics, we love this company, and you know, we, get, we, you know, we get no royalties or anything like that for doing this. This is just of our own accord, and you know, it, it, it feels good that uh, you know, we're, we're helping uh, open up people's you know, uh, ability to go try all these titles. So. And um, just some other ones across the net uh, over at Clark's Bar, which is run by Chris Stryker. Uh, shout out to IO Des- Destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Um, at Comic Book Resources, shout out to Fist of Iron, Twin Pistols, and MGS. And we've even got some people down at ValiantFans.com. Uh, shout out to Rob77, Chiclo, Dr. Solar, Drift. And I can't say this last one. Uh, I'll spell it out. It's A-G-G-R... 1103, who says, not really a Wildstorm fan, but I'm down to listen to any podcast that comic company or comic book specific. Not a huge fan of comic book podcasts that bounce from Marvel to DC. I'll be checking this one out. So that's cool that you know he's giving us a chance, and I'm um, looking forward to see what he thinks. And finally, over at RetroDrunk.com, uh, Echidna64, who I've got to give an extra special shout-out to for taken it upon himself to mail me a copy of This Is Wildstorm Universe number zero last year from San Diego Comic-Con. That was really cool of him. I don't know him. He doesn't know me. He just took it of his own accord when I mentioned that I couldn't go, that he sent that to me. So, double thank you to that, you know, for sending me that. So that, That's really cool. Really cool. Yeah. One, one quick thing. Um, because of the uh, big comic addiction split and, you know, we had to start our own site, we will have a new iTunes feed that you will have to subscribe to. Um, we're, we apologize up front that you know you have to change your feed to get the Wildstorm Addiction podcast continued. Um, it's not up right now, but as soon as it is, trust me, we will let you guys know, and and hopefully you can get to it quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, lots of transitions, but just bear with us. You know, obviously, if you're listening to this, you found us somehow. There's different ways to listen to us, you know, besides just iTunes. You can just download it directly from the site. So, um, just want to remind you, we do talk about spoilers on the podcast, but the written reviews, 
that are at the site, with the exception of a god somewhere, <laughs> are not spoiler free. And you know, even God somewhere, I marked it. You know, it was just too hard not to spoil. Talk about spoilers in that one. The one bit of Wildstorm news we have is um, in September we're getting a new Wetworks one shot called Wetworks Mutations. It's written by Kevin Graveau, who is the screenwriter of the Underworlds film series, and Christopher Long. And the art is by Julius Gopez, and the cover is by Brandon Bado, I guess is how you say it. And the um, solicitation says, Roaming the post-apocalyptic American landscape, it's wet works like you've never seen them before. With their symbiotes no longer reliably functioning, the team finds themselves running up against Lord Defile, intent upon remaking the ruined Earth in his own vision, which includes experimenting on human prisoners to create a hybrid species. Writer, actor, and co-creator of the Underworld movie franchise, Kevin Graveau, and his co-writer, Christopher Long, bring their unique take to this classic Wildstorm franchise with incredibly detailed art by newcomer Julius Gopez, which you can see his art if you go to Wildstorm's blog, The Bleed. There's some, there is uh, some shots of his, his art from this particular comic, and it looks really good. So uh, really excited that they're giving what works. Even if it's just a one-shot, you know, at least they're back up on the stands for a little while. Yeah, no, no, that's really cool. I just checking out the boards this week on uh, DC's boards. Um, everybody's really excited about this, and like you said, even though it's just one shot, you know, maybe this is just a you know wild storm stab to see if you know another Wetworks series you know would work out for them. So hopefully, everybody will go and buy it, and maybe we we can get another series. All we can do is hope. <laughs> All right, Ben, I'll let you go ahead and get into the first review then. All right. Next up, we have Sparta number four of six, written by Dave Lapham, and art and cover by Johnny Timmons. Um, wow. I can't believe we're already up to number four on this one. Um, Sparta is really, you know, the first two issues of this, you know, this is what Wildstorm Addiction started off on. And, man... I, I don't know what to say about this because I think Joe and I both have mixed feelings about this this series and you know here we are starting off with a new website and everything and we're in the issue number four um, this issue starts off with um, Johnny Franks who is you know he's the man right now he's the leader and quarterback of the Spartans football team and uh, we see a little bit of what he's going through and right off the bat uh, page number two he finds out unconventionally that his wife has committed suicide by hanging herself and he was in a press conference really well not even a press conference but just being interviewed right after the game in the locker room and that's how he found out. So not a good way to find out that your wife has just killed herself. Um, shortly thereafter, and Joe and I have said repeatedly that this book is crazy weird and we don't know how to pin it down. But within a page of finding out that his wife has died, we see him in bed with Wanda. <laughs> now, McLean. Yeah, Wanda <laughs> McLean. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> now Wanda Wanda McLean is uh the wife 
of our uh, our hero. Man, I am just brain farting right now. <laughs> it's this series. It's not you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> what is his name? What is his first name? Hey, Godfrey. Thank hey, you. Buddy. Jeez. <laughs> she is the wife of Godfrey McLean, the red guy. Yeah, there okay? you go. Keep the, it simple. <laughs> the red skin guy. Yeah, I mean, the name is useless to me, basically. Um, <laughs> so the first four pages crazy we got you know the lead quarterback finds out that his wife has just died and then is sleeping with you know the other quarterback's wife i I, yeah i don't understand this at all it just doesn't make sense (laughs) um then we flip over to godfrey who is in the woods where he likes to be he's talking about magic and he drinks some potion i guess um and he passes out now he does have you know the women of Sparta who I guess aren't married kind of, you know, that's his crew. That's who's backing him up and, and doing things for him. And I guess they scoop him up. I don't know. It, this, this issue jumps around a lot and that makes it difficult because this whole story doesn't make any sense. So when this issue, you know, when this book jumps around, it just makes it equally difficult to understand what's going on. Um, yeah, <laughs> honestly, I I don't even really want to go go through what's going on in this because it, it just it's jacked up. At, at one point, Godfrey wakes up in a teepee um, from whatever he drank, and Wanda obviously had sex with him while he was passed out. I mean, that's what's implied. He he's not too happy about that, by the way. Um, what is his uh the, the chick that he actually likes? Oh man, she's barely in here. Um, right, she's in here briefly, but they never say her name. I forget her freaking name. <laughs> anyway, she yeah. goes to the she goes to the shop owner that that guy who uh, narrated the yeah, Ralphie. Yeah, Ralphie. Um, he goes after his wife, who totally spazzed out when they didn't get a child from the maestro, and she's been babysitting for the last family that got a child from the maestro. So she kind of went crazy because she obviously wants to snatch this baby. And uh, he actually goes to that house um, to find Sis, is her name. And uh, she she does freak out because she is trying to steal the baby. And he kind of runs away from her because she has a <laughs> she has an axe and starts swinging at him. <laughs> Yeah, she's pulling Jack Nicholson from The Shining. Yeah, it's just crazy town. Claudia um, is, the, is the name of the other. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So Claudia becomes, you know, she's apparently, apparently there's only one detective in the town and he has narcolepsy. So she's doing your own detective work on, on what happened to, uh, what happened to Johnny's wife, why, why she hung herself. So. She finds the uh, surveillance tape of the house, and I don't know who it is that's with her. Did you see that on the screen? No, I didn't. Ca- I I thought it might be Wanda McLean. I thought it might be too, but you can't really tell. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. And I neglected to go back to issue three to see if that because I think they play that out in issue three. 
I guess we'll find out for certain next issue, but even still. Um, we jump back over to Johnny's game. He's in the middle of a game. It doesn't say if it's the championship game or not, but he's running up the score and apparently is about to break Godfrey's record. And that's when, I guess, plan B starts and uh, the power grid blows up and all the electricity goes off. Um, so Johnny's kind of ticked off about that because that means that the next time they play, they don't start from where the game left off. They have to start over. So, so he's ticked because, you know, all his touchdowns don't count and he blames Godfrey for that. Now in the middle of that, you see that there's no lights on in the stadium. And when he freaks out about that, There's just this really funny panel of all the people in the stadium. And everybody seems to have a flashlight. Like, they knew that that was going to happen and the power was going to go off. Who carries a flashlight to a football game? I (laughs) I didn't even think about that. There were so many goofy things that I'm like, why why would this even happen? Like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, even if it was security, there wouldn't be that many right there with flashlights. Um, Yeah. That's crazy. It'd be interesting to see if that's part of the plot, you know, if, if... There was people who were in on this. Plan. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's possible. Um, so yeah, then Godfrey, you know, strolls into the stadium on his horse, and all his women behind him. And then the cliffhanger is uh, the maestro, who is this, who is the blue-skinned leader of Sparta. I guess he is rolling into town, declaring martial law with all his Nazi friends waving their flags, and rolling in on tanks. <laughs> and that's what we're left with. Yeah. <laughs> and see, my argument is the series should have opened up with this. <laughs> that might have helped things. If the series had opened up with this, we'd be in a different place right now. You know? And and just to let the listeners know, you know, we, we kind of agreed that when, that when we review stuff, just in general, whether we like it or not, we, we're trying to give you an honest opinion about what we're seeing here. We're not just going to simply tell you that we don't like it or that, you know, uh, we're trying to be constructive here, you know, and there's, you know, when the story jumps around and, and it's hard to follow and the characters, you know, are, you don't find yourself really caring about the characters, you know, for me, you know, if you're reviewing stories, that's a problem. You know, that that's why it's so hard for me to continue to read this series because it's missing out on, on some of the, the you know key key elements of a story, and then that's what makes it so hard to talk about you know because you just uh, you just don't want to bash it. I mean there there is you know it, it's it's got some redeemable qualities. You know I I did enjoy the panel of him riding in on the horse you know into the middle of the stadium with a sword drawn. Right. I, mean, I thought that was pretty pretty cool. I mean pretty crazy, but it's pretty cool. But um, yeah, it's just. Um, if if we don't care about the characters, it's really hard to care about what's going to happen next to some of them, you know? And yeah, that's, that's... It, yeah, and there's not a single character in this series so far, and we're four issues in, that I've even latched onto. I mean, even the main character, Godfrey, like, he's in it so seldomly in the last two issues, you're almost like, what's the point? Like, yeah, you can't latch onto a single character. It's, I don't know. I, what I, did you rate it? 
I don't know. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, I can't even give it a rating. Like I, I don't want to bash it. Like I said, like you said, I mean, it's, it's not horrible. It's just difficult to see where he's going with this and yeah. not in the way that leads you to anticipate the next one, just in the way that ugh, maybe I'll get something out of the next one. You know what I mean? I, yeah. Well, I went ahead and gave it a five, which is just average, because to me, it's met all the average requirements of a comic book. You know, it's 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 uh, it's not because it's not horrible. It really is not horrible. It's no, just, it's not. not. Yeah, it 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 is. It really is not. But it's just because uh, you know one strength I will talk about is I I do enjoy Johnny Timmons' art. Um, very much so. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, at the beginning I wasn't sure, but the more that I've seen each issue, I do like it. And you know, shots like I said, like the one of him on the horse, you know, is really cool. So I, I am growing accustomed to his art. I am enjoying it more. But, um, but like I said, you know, we're just not caring about the characters, and that's that's just a big pet peeve with me. You know, in stories, I have to care about the characters, or it's just hard for me to keep going. So yeah, yeah and. Yeah, I mean, it is, I guess, an average comic book, but, I mean, even the cliffhanger at the end of this one, it, it didn't really build up to it. It just kind of was there, thrown in yeah, uh, as a last page. Like, you know, the story didn't progress to it. It just, it's there. So, it's not like you were anticipating that happening, and it doesn't really lead you to look to the next, next issue. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on to our next one, which is uh, Gen 13, number 36, which is written by Phil Hester with art by Creditorium. And we have a cover by Phil Noto this time. And um, as we've said before, this is the bi-monthly Wildstorm Universe title. So this is Phil Hester's second issue. And... He uh, makes an interesting choice with this issue because last issue he basically established which kids he's which which Gen 13 kids he's going to follow, you know. Which out of the original group, we've only got Fairchild and Burnout. Uh, the rest are remnants of Gen 14, which are Ditto, Hardbody, Wind Sprint, and um, and Runt. So it's a cool little mixture. Uh, I was kind of looking. I was kind of looking at this and thinking, you know, this is this kind of reminds me. This is an era right now for Wildstorm where, where kind of like if you look at the history, for example, of the X Men, say, you know, there's times when the teams were different, and everybody picks their favorite, you know. And right now, this is the first time, you know, if you if you don't count volume uh, Gen Thirteen Volume Three, where it's a totally different team, you know. This is the first time that the original Gen 13 team has really been changed. So that that is interesting. You know, it, it's uh, some people will probably argue that this is not Gen 13. You know, for them, but I I think it's interesting. Um, we do set up a new villain in this one. I couldn't get clarification from anybody if this was an old villain or not. Uh, the way that they introduced him, it almost made it seem like he was. Um, but there's a new villain introduced named Kaizen X, 
which you know the word the name Kaizen obviously makes you think of Kaizen Gamora from uh, recently from the Authority and you know in the past he's originally introduced in Cybernary and you know he's one of the big the the biggest baddies there is you know in the Wallstorm universe and um, you know we know from the end of the of uh, Authority uh, the miniseries the Authority Prime that. Um, that that kind of threw me off because I, I I thought that this might be Weatherman, uh, the the Weatherman's son who got uh, actually taken over by help me out here Henry Bendix because <laughs> they look the same. <laughs> well, they have uh, a bald head. I guess that yeah. would make them look the same. <laughs> well, they got the same, you know, general. I guess kind of a generic face. I don't right. know. Yeah, it looks like him. Looks like Bendix to me, but. Yeah, because Kaizen's all about the kind of like the old style Fu Manchu look, you know, with the mm, yeah. long mustache and stuff. But anyway, so Kaizen, you know, is apparently creating an army and he's trying to get to what he refers to as the Hidden City, which we assume is Pocatello, which is where the Gen 13 kids were trying to get to, which apparently is fabled to be unaffected by uh, World's Inn. So, when we come back to our Gen 13 kids, they have been captured by a church which is run entirely by robots. And they never do say that it's, that it's the Church of Gort, which was introduced in the Wildcats. But you'd have to assume that it is, because it's a, you know, maybe it's a faction of them. <laughs> How many robot churches can there be? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, their thing is, is, obviously, that they want to get rid of all flesh and leave only metal. The one interesting thing that they touch on is that while their robot preacher is up at the pulpit, he's referring to some stained glass windows that show Spartan from the Wildcats. And as he's telling the story about their quote-unquote father, it seems like they're referring to Spartan. And they show a battle between Spartan and Majestic where Spartan loses an arm. And it's an interesting reference because way, 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 way back <laughs> in like Wildcats number two or three, somewhere, maybe even four, you know, the original first four issues, you know, Spartan lost an arm during that battle. Majestic wasn't around yet. And they used that later as a uh, plot device for the Killer Instinct crossover they did with Cyberforce, so... So uh, it doesn't seem like it's the same setup, but I couldn't tell you right away, other than the battle that was more recently in World Ends between Majestic and Spartan, I couldn't tell you where else that could have happened. So we'll see. We'll see what that signifies. But um, anyway, this uh, Phil Hester does a good job of giving the Gen 14 kids some life. You know, because when they were introduced in Gen 13, number 26, really just their leader breakdown was the only one that they really focused on. And then, you know, after that, they just focused on her and how she interacted with Gen 13. And the rest of Gen 14 just kind of fell by the wayside. You know, so here, Hester's got a chance to show some of their personality. Mainly Hardbody gets a little bit of a focus here. Uh, gets to showcase his power a little bit. I'm a little confused about his power, though. I think uh, everybody is right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> it seems that he's kind of like grunge, that he can absorb powers and properties, but that's not very clear. Um, 
Because basically what he does in order to free them is he um, absorbs the properties of one of the robots and makes himself look like a robot and basically claims to be their new messiah. <laughs> so it's pretty clever to distract them and allow the rest of the kids to escape. But unfortunately, it forces him to stay behind while they escape. So, so we don't know uh, if he's lost for good or if he's just you know lost for a while or what. But he's got to stay behind and basically keep up the charade. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do on that. And one little thing about that is that as they're leaving, you know, Fairchild kind of looks over his shoulder. Like regret, regrettably, I guess you could say, like as it really bothers her that they had to leave him behind, and you know it's a it's a panel where she's not saying a thing, no word, no thought balloons for her, nothing, and you just see in her face that she's you can tell in her face she's lost more friends. You know she's already lost you know three is three of the original ki- uh, kids or two. No, she lost Freefall and she lost Rainmaker because they're out in space with the Authority. Right, and then Grunge is with Spartan. Yeah, so so she you can tell she's hurting because she keeps losing her friends. Meanwhile, the new uh, character we got introduced last issue, Pathcutter, has run into Kaizen X, and he's basically trying to you know take over the caravan so he can keep building his army. Which he figures out that the caravan is on their way to the hidden city, which nobody has told him yet that it's supposed to be Pocatello. But um, we got a pretty cool moment where. Fairchild and the others show up and Fairchild basically offers to fight him so that they'll leave him alone so they'll hit them out. so he'll leave them alone and I think you can see that Fairchild's frustrations have been building up for a long time now and she basically just takes it out on Kaizen X <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not sure what his powers are but if you can take a beating from Fairchild you you uh you're pretty tough <laughs> yeah so, so she basically beats him to within an inch of his life. <laughs> yeah, but he respects her for it. Yeah, so he says at first. But then uh, when when he lets them leave afterwards, he uh, says that he planned that all along and he actually planted one of his spies on their caravan. So now we end with a cliffhanger. One of the Actually, one of the kids uh, is a spy for him. So... So he definitely has that Kaizen, you know, kind of conniving side. <laughs> That's true. So, but um, uh, what did you think, Ben, before I tell you my final thoughts on the issue? <laughs> <laughs> I'll uh, just go through some some tidbits that I thought were kind of fun. Um, when we flip over to the church of Gort, I guess, right underneath the stained glass windows uh, panels uh, that the leader is, you know, preaching there's a a shot of the congregation of all the robots and down in the lower right hand corner there's a a cool little nod to star wars because that is totally a c3po face face. (laughs) i just thought that was neat (laughs) so i wanted to point that out um no I, i i thought it was a good issue i i really like where this arc is going and, you know, last issue we got to see a new character. And then this issue we get to see a new character. I almost want to tell them to stop, you know, putting new characters in. Because, you know, I, 
you're, we're trying to just figure out who the Gen 14 people are, let alone introducing all these characters. But I'm sure it's for a reason. Um, I just want to see what that reason is. Um, oh, and you mentioned uh, Breakdown earlier. Yeah, mm-hmm. she yeah. also goes by the name of Goo, but don't call her that. Where, <laughs> where has she been? I mean, she's not on the carrier. She's not with this crew. Is she, you know, do you have any idea right now? Yeah, the last we saw of her was at the end of um, uh, a BD and um, Mike Huddleston's run. Because remember, she dies to protect the kids. Oh, that's right. The last we see of her, she's in one of those stasis tubes because, you know, obviously when the Gen 14 dies. Right, right. So she's been rebooted. <laughs> yeah, but nobody, yeah. <laughs> a recloned, I guess. So I would assume that the government probably has her because right. all, the, all the other kids escaped. See, you're a walking Wildstorm Wikipedia. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I I enjoyed it. I thought it was a fun issue. There was a lot of a lot of action and yeah but I, I don't have much to say other than it's a, it's a good read and you know we talked about last time we reviewed gen 13 how it was annoying that it's you know you have to go through a skip month just to, to get to the next one i don't have that feeling when i read this one i was just pleasantly pleased to read it so i gave this one a 7 i just thought it was a fun read and you know i'm not ticked that I don't get it next month but you know I am still looking forward to the next issue yeah no I gave it a 7 as well I um there was a lot of setup here which is surprising there was more setup here than there was in the last issue the last issue I don't feel really had much setup at all no it didn't and here all of a sudden we had to take time to set up who Kaizen X is or what his motivations are not really who he is you know and then we have the adventure you know, with them escaping the robot church, which takes over, you know, the next third of the issue. And then the final third of the issue is basically Fairchild versus Kaizen X. You know, so so because so basically we sacrificed, you know, the, the last third of the issue to have a really good fight. So I was kind of a little torn about that, be, mainly because it is bi-monthly, you know, because uh, I, I felt it, the issue went by pretty quick because of that. But it's kind of give and take, you know, I thought it was a really good fight and you know, Creditorian's art still getting really good every issue. I just think every every issue he puts out, it's just that much more solid, I guess. You know, the opening page of the, you know, the mountainside uh, city and all that, just, you know, really detailed. The old witch, you know, yeah. <laughs> was really detailed. And um, so he's just getting so much better. It, you know, when this when this ends up in a trade, it's going to be interesting to to read it all at once. And you're you know, every twenty two pages, you're going to see improvement. You know, as you're reading through the trade, so it's going to be going to be really cool to see that. All right. Next up, we have the Authority number twenty three, written by Tom Taylor and art by Mike Miller. Uh, the color, the cover. Sorry. Is by Philip Tan, and the other half of this cover is on Wildcats number 24. Um, if you guys listened to the last time we reviewed The Authority, uh, you know how much I enjoyed that issue. <laughs> it was the first <laughs> issue I gave a 10 out of 10 on, and for, especially for a single issue, which is kind of crazy. 
but this issue just picks up right where that one left off. Um, it starts off with Angie and Shen talking as they're, you know, just walking through one of the corridors. And right away you see that that Angie, the engineer, has, has given or has been able to get some of her personality back from the carrier. So it, it seems as though she's able to now distinguish between the carrier and her own her own like soul or personality. So that that's cool to see how how far away she went and she was so much like 100% the carrier in the last couple issues and now she's kind of come back and and can interact almost normally with the people around her. I I, I don't know how well it would have went with the rest of the team if she had, you know, still been, you know, the carrier's entity taking over her. So I'm kind of glad that they pulled her back and dialed her back from that. Um, they run into Grifter who had, who had just uh, knocked boots with Flint. <laughs> 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 and, and Tom Taylor is killing me because he is just knocking this book out of the park. I mean, he puts such good humor into each and every character all their interactions. I mean, every issue you get awesome, you know, fight scenes, good tension, and he just puts these little quips in that just, you know, make it just a brilliant read. I just love it. So I'll let you guys read through that and enjoy that. Um, then we switch over to Christine Trelane and uh, The High, you know, and she's kind of checking them out after she, you know, re-enabled his powers i guess and then they run in well i guess because the carrier's still you know going about its own path and the authority can't really dictate that even angie can't dictate that um they run into like a a space you know wreckage i guess like a junkyard for the most part there's all these uh different spaceships just kind of strewn about um, almost like an asteroid field, and they seem to be traveling right through it. Um, River whispers to the high and says that you know he can sense that something's alive in there. And so now that the high is powered up, you know, and he is the like hero, and he even says it because we're heroes. He decides that he's going to go out and check it out and see what you know, see if he can find anybody that's alive in this wreckage. Um, it's kind of funny because they allude to you know his disappearance in the past and how he just hung out for 10 years and you know tried to think about what he had done you know in the very first volume one of Stormwatch what he had done and then what he had done you know during Armageddon and uh, <laughs> he, he says that he can hold his breath for four days just because he was bored he had time to think about stuff and had nothing better to do so that was kind of fun. <laughs> and then as he's about to leave, um, there's a cool little interaction. You know, the the carrier shape shifts and kind of gives him a hug. And uh, <laughs> yeah. Angie says, you know, I think the ship has a crush on you, which it's kind of funny. You don't know if it's actually the carrier or her personality that, oh. that does that. So Good observation. You can't really tell. So the high goes out and... Uh, he kind of makes his way through and uh, they find an Aegean ship 
and the he finds a heartbeat or he can hear a heartbeat and he finds an Aegean laying on the floor who has a justice stone in his chest which they you know obviously think that that's the only thing that can possibly be keeping him alive and uh so he finds a mask and slaps it on this guy and who's unconscious and probably has been for you know a millennia or who knows thousands of years or hundreds of years we have no idea and he takes him back to the ship and free fall and uh tries to stick a needle in him and breaks it off because you know this guy has like liquid metal running through his veins and the high heats him up a little bit and they get a they get an IV in him get him going and uh there's a little shift change in Grifter and and Deathblow come in to you know to take care of him and then all hell breaks loose <laughs> <laughs> yeah this guy wakes up and you know, it's interesting because we just read A God Somewhere, but no remorse. This guy just, anybody that was in that that ward who was trying to be healed just is dead. Everybody except for Grifter and Cole, and they themselves don't look like they're in good shape. They're just piled on top of one another. Um, and so they realize that something's going wrong. Angie opens up doors for everybody to go in after this guy. And that's what we're left with. A pretty cool pinup of everybody. And uh, Jack goes, we've got this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Very cool classic hero moment. Yeah, it's it's pretty slick. And, And not only do we have to deal with him, but right at the end, we have to deal with Mondragon, which is... It's kind of like the Transformers, you know, the the Constructobots, because all of those ships that were out in that in that space kind of uh, kind of form themselves into an octopus shape, and uh, you see the carrier headed right towards it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all know how big the carrier is, and this thing basically dwarfs the carrier. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. What did you uh, think of this issue? Oh, I. I thought it was a great issue. I mean, it's it's this series just like Wildcats is just so solid. I mean, like you were saying, you know, we, the the writing is great. You know, the humor. Uh, you know, I like uh, Mike Miller's art, and you know, it's it's a shame that 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 he's just here for a couple of issues. Um, but I've been enjoying you know last month and this month issue and. You know, one thing too about this series right now that that I don't think has been in in any of the authority volumes before is that, you know, this is, you know, that opening shot of them arriving at the at the the, the junkyard, you know, with all the spaceship parts floating, it's just, you know, it's very sci-fi. You know, it's like you know, I have images of Star Wars, Star Trek, Babylon Five, you know, Battlestar Galactica all going through my head, you know. When I see stuff like that, it's like I hear I hear John Williams Orchestra, you know, kick up, and you know, and <laughs> um, that because that's such a different aspect. I mean, they, that the Authority has dealt with like alternate worlds, and they're usually, you know, going through the bleed, but they'll 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 deal with something that's either on another Earth or, you know, um, and I'll admit that I haven't read a lot of the past series. You know, I did stop when when Ellis, uh, you know, left, and and I kind of was in and out in and out of the series after that 
but as far as what I have read, I don't remember anything that was like this that that focused on space exploration. You know, adventures in space for so long. No, and none of the other you know Wildstorm Universe proper titles have either. So, it, like you said, it's it's been really cool to see this you know, play out. Yeah, because I mean, it's what's cool about it is is you know. Uh, these characters, which I realize they're not all the original authority, you know, but the ones that are here, you know, which are Jack, uh, the engineer, and Swift, you know, you still get to enjoy some of them. And of course, you know, you get some of the other members of Wildcats like Grifter, you know, and um, so it's just cool to see them all interacting. It's like I was saying earlier about the Gen 13 title and even the Wildcats title, you know, this is just what I consider an era where the teams are different, you know, and it, it happens in other books. And that's what I'm uh, really enjoying is seeing the different interactions. You know, we wouldn't, we never would have seen this interaction between like uh, grifter and Flint, you know, if we hadn't mixed up the teams, you know, cause grifter would have never been in stormwatch team Achilles or even just the regular stormwatch. Yeah. So, it, yeah. And it's really cool to see that they're taking each character and, you know, building upon years and years and years of, of history, and they're still fleshing out the characters. And even the carrier, you know, as a character, we're getting to see so much new stuff, you know, of it as a character. Yeah, because, uh, you know, for the longest time, it was just part of the authority. It might as well have just been their Batmobile, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, it wasn't really used like I've seen it used here. And it's cool, too, you know, like you mentioned that they found the Aegean. You know, for those of you who don't know, that's the race of people that the hero called Union is from, which Union hasn't been around for a while, so, you know, a lot of people probably don't know who he is, period. <laughs> uh, last time we saw him was in the the New Dynamics miniseries. And um, so uh, it'd be interesting to see if they bring him back now that they're kind of touching on his people again. And, and speaking of, of Mike's art... I love the little details, little little things that you wouldn't even think about. Um, like when Freefall is, you know, trying to stick the IV in, she's got her mask pulled up into her hair. You know, I just thought that was such a simple little thing, but it was so cool. You know, because it's so it's it's so easy to look at the you know character sheet and be like, oh well, she's got a mask. I'll just draw her like that all the time. You know, <laughs> and so little little things like that I appreciate about him that that he's doing and. And yeah, it's funny, like you, you mentioned the correlation between a god somewhere and this, because yeah, when the gene wakes up, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mini massacre. <laughs> yeah, it's bad news. And yeah, like you said, and that's why, you know, last issue, I rated it so high. You're right, Mike Miller, he, he gives each of the characters so much emotion. And, you know, I'm not used to seeing that, especially in The Authority, just from the facial expressions, he just does a great job of everybody. I mean, you see how embarrassed Grifter is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, walking out of Flint's room. It's just, it's fantastic. What did you rate this? I, I went ahead and stuck with eight, which I still think is on its way to greatness. I want to see what Mondragon does next issue because, you know, it kind of caught me off guard with what I was kind of expecting a creature you know, like uh, a flesh and blood creature, I guess, maybe. 
and you know we get this uh, like you said it's kind of like a, the Constructicons from Transformers you know they combine all the all the junk and make this a giant octopus thing so I'm curious to see what he does yeah I, I gave this one a 9 and maybe it's just because I'm riding on a high from the last issue <laughs> but uh, I mean it was it was great you know cover to cover I it was awesome and and like you said you know the 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 setup for next issue that that may be an inanimate object and everything that's coming at them but we don't know if that's the Aegean you know running that we do have a flesh and blood problem and we have you know outside the carrier has a problem so so now we have you know two big setups and I, I just can't wait for the next one um why don't you, uh, moving on, why don't you go through and, and give everybody the uh, other Wildstorm releases? Okay. Um, other Wildstorm releases this week, we had Tom Strong and the Robots of Doom number one come out. We also had uh, Free Realms number 10 of 12. We had uh, Modern Warfare 2, Ghost number 5 of 6. And uh, I've got Resident Evil listed, but didn't we already talk about that last time? <laughs> oh, maybe we did. Uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we did because I remember telling everybody that you know who had been hanging in there for so long. <laughs> right, right. We also have Gears of War Book One, which came out, and of course the one that we've mentioned is A God Somewhere. And like Ben told you, we will we will be reviewing this, but the written review is already up on the site. And, um, yes, it's really good. So, <laughs> can't wait to talk about that one. All right, everybody. That's it for this time. Uh, we hope that we will have the iTunes feed up soon. And check us out on the comicaddiction.com website. And until next time, thanks for listening. Bye-bye.